Hey guys, Lance Zerline here. We're Houston. We're the city of champions. How about I give you another champion? If you suffered an injury in an accident and would like a free case review, call the super team at Daspit Law Firm. They're champions. Free consultations are available 24-7. Dial 713-CALL-NOW. That's 713-CALL-NOW and DaspitLaw.com. Houston is all systems go. John plus Lance equals a damn good start to your day. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's John and Lance. All right, welcome back here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Best segment that we have every day after an Astros game. Roger Clement should be Hall of Famer with us here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. All right, Roger, let's get it started with this. That umpire, James Hoy, was awful last night. Is there any chance? <laughs> is there any chance that Maldonado... Missed that pitch on purpose and hit him. Did you ever have a catcher do that? Uh, in college at the University of Texas, it, it happened, but never, never in pro ball. But uh, yeah, that was pretty good. Everything's mic'd up really well. Even I, I think they got a couple mics in the dirt behind the mound, uh, so you can hear. You can, you know, I think they have to turn it off when there's a pitching coach meeting at the mound or whatever. But yeah, there's a lot of mics that can catch a lot of things and. Uh, uh, you know, I, who knows what went on there? He didn't need to really, you know, say that. I mean, come on, he needs to focus on the strike zone. Yeah, and, he uh, wasn't. I mean, he, he was a little loose with it, and you know, our guys knew right away. And of course, you know, when they do get those calls, they can go immediately to the dugout and they can watch them on those iPads and they can see it, uh, see it immediately. Um, so. I, I know Brantley. Brantley, it really messed up one of his at bats. He yeah. had a terrible call. It jacked his at bat up big time. Bregman, where, where it, made, it made him extend. He, he had to expand the zone. I think he flew out or hit yep. a, you know foul fly or something. But he was pissed. Yep, yep. And Bregman too. And 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 it was just that. Hey, listen, there were eight umpire audit. There's I don't know if you've seen that on Twitter. You got to follow him. Umpire audit tells you exactly how many he missed. He missed eight, and all eight were against the Astros. All eight. So yeah, not good. It could have been better. What about Christian Javier? What What's the difference yeah. between Javier now and earlier this season? That was the game, partner. I mean, uh, Javier. That was that's the story. Javier and the bottom of the lineup for the Strohs, man. That was it was huge. Uh, I, you know, Javi. You know, basically twenty and what is it now? Until he gave up the homer, twenty in uh, a third scoreless inning, something like that. Um, Textbook pitching and game calling by Maldi. They they went with you go with your best stuff until they force you to change, and it's amazing. He keeps rushing that 93, 94 mile an hour fastball in the top of the zone. Guys can't get on it. If they do, they're flying out. And um, you know the only mistake was the the slider or slur, whatever you want to call it, that that hung in the middle of the plate for the two run homer. But textbook pitching, total opposite of Max, you know, right from the beginning. The first inning when the guys hit a couple balls hard and deep off of him, you're like, okay, you know, this is where, where we thought. You know, this guy laid off for a month. It's totally different to pitch in a, in a regular season game, let alone a championship game, uh, when you have that kind of layoff. And, uh, and you could just see the difference. Again, you take Javi's uh, – fastball at 93-94 with late life. It's, it's jumping, it's spinning, it's holding its line, uh, and Max usually has that fastball and, uh, that has some late life. 
when I say late life, when it gets to the dirt cutout at home plate, if you know, you, when you're standing there, hitters will tell you the ball changes gears a little bit. It's like, again, it's like a bowling ball or the guys that spin that ball, that crazy spin on a bowling ball. You throw it down the lane and it's last five feet, man, it cuts right into the pins. That's the same thing as having late life on your fastball. And uh, Max didn't have it. Now, this thing gets crazy tonight. This thing, you know, Keedy does his job and gets the ball to JV for possibly a game five. Uh, you know, Max is in line to pitch a game seven if it gets there. And, 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 and Javi will, Javier will pitch, uh, you know, uh, probably face him again, I would imagine. I would imagine. That, so, uh, this is going to get interesting, uh, if the Strohs can pick another one off tonight. Is it as simple as just Javier has to, when Javier's locating his fastball, the teams can't really sit on that breaking pitch? Because we saw yesterday, or we heard that, how bad opponents are doing against the fastball for Javier. So if that's the case, if he's not throwing them for strikes, if he's not locating, they don't have to sit on fastball. They just sit on breaking pitch, and they're able to just tighten up that target zone and just blast them all year long. Now that he seems to be locating better, it, it, it really has opened everything up for him. Yeah, I, I don't think he minds <clears throat> that much pitching behind and throwing uh... – not throwing more strikes because, uh, again, he's hitting the top part of the zone, and then he exploits it a little bit with a ball or two higher, and those guys go after it. It looks very, very hittable uh, coming out of his hand. Um, I think, guys, the thing I noticed about him, even in spring training, I, I, when I watch guys do their bullpens in spring training, when I, I went down for about a week, and he just got a calm nature about him. I mean, on the close-ups last night, if you watch the close-ups, you saw his eyes drifting to the right almost on every pitch. And that tells me how calm and under control he is because he's watching the pitch clock. And he's letting that pitch clock click, you know, click down to inside of three seconds before he delivers his pitch. And so, I mean, he's in, he's in touch with everything that he's doing. Uh, again, I think Maldi brings a lot of calm to him. Uh, you know, I know at one point, he got out of whack, and Maldi walked straight out there. They had a nice talk on the mound. Obviously, I don't, I'm not privy to what it was, but, um, you know, those are great, man. That's a great relationship to have with your catcher, and, and uh, there's just a calming effect to him. But, uh, again, when I, when I was watching his eyes look to the right, I knew he was checking out the pitch clock to see how far he could take it down or when he wanted to del- deliver his pitch. Roger Clemens with us, brought to you by John Daspit. Every time here, after every Astros postseason game, he is brought to you by John Daspit right here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Raj, okay, you are advising Rangers pitching, uh, and you, what what do you tell them how to approach Jordan? What exactly, how can you go about getting this monster out? They got problems because even when they made a couple, it really wasn't a bad pitch that they made to him that he fought off uh, into uh, left center field being so strong. Uh, keeps his hands tight to his body on those. He's locked in. I still go all the way back to what it was a game two, and they were the Rangers were winning, and they pitched to him, and he hit the, uh, I think it was an opposite field bomb to get him going again. Um, you know, Montgomery you know, pitched him well with really uh, below – speed, uh, curveballs or slurves. Um, that was really the only spot that, uh, you know, try, 
you know, they'll try and exploit that with these lefty. I think it's a bullpen game, basically for these guys uh, uh, tonight. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But um, you know, you get you get Altuve, you get the our little man at the top of the lineup going again. Then Jordan Tuck finally gets going a little bit. The walks are huge. It tells me he's seeing the ball a little bit. He might be getting a little more comfortable. His one base hit was big for him. So you get that, and then. You know, the bottom of the lineup. You can throw Tuck in the bottom with Dubon Pena and Maldi had the big hit. I mean, you know, that's a, you know, that's a situation where Scherzer throws, you know, it's like, it's like when you had the National League and you have the pitcher hitting and you have an eighth hitter in front of him and, and you don't give him any respect and you, you might lose your concentration a little bit and you leave a ball in the plate and then they get you. I mean, uh, Dubon was doing that too. I mean, it's the guy that you almost forget about in the lineup. And when you do that, so. Yeah. i tell you this, though. It was a difference. It's a huge difference maker. Look at the plays that Bregman made at third. Young got got his glove on on that Maldonado ball. If that's Bregman at third, he makes that play. It might be a different game. Oh, It definitely could be. I mean, he was, uh, again, Max was battling through that, but um, guys are taking. I don't know what it is. They they got him uh, a month or two ago, whenever that was, when he when he when he uh, came back, and um, so uh, I don't know what's going on, and I don't know what's going on with that stadium up there. The boys love hitting up there, so we hope that continues. Yeah. I, so when you see yesterday, and they look so relaxed, they got the they got the runs early, but when you see players like, uh, how early as a pitcher can you tell a guy? is starting to lock in because Jose Altuve is that rare guy who can go 1 for 18, 1 for 20, 0 for 25, and then all of a sudden get hot in a single game. Can you see it as a pitcher with some of the pitches that you're throwing that they're spoiling or laying off of? How quickly can you tell, "Uh uh-oh, this might be trouble with this guy today? Well, again, just by observing and and watching, I think when the guys got up, when the Strohs got up uh, 3, 4, nothing. There were some uh, camera shots in the dugout, and they were they were smiling and having a good time. They were feeling pretty good about what they were seeing and where they were, you know what you know what they were going to be able to do. So uh, I saw I saw JV talking. Uh, I don't tell him a joke or whatever, and and they were they were pretty loose. So, but we you know we 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 talked about that uh, uh, a number of shows ago about how these guys have been there, done that, and there's no time to panic, but. This was an absolute must-win, and and having Javier and and uh, I think Altuve had an interview after the game said the same thing. I mean, it was just a matter of fact they had to win that game. So, Roger Clemens with us here on ESPN ninety-seven-five and ninety-two-five. You keep mentioning Maldi. Uh, we know Dusty loves Maldi. We know the pitchers love Maldi. There's a, even a question in the organization whether or not they can bring Maldi back as a backup next year to Yiner because. If Fromber's out there, if Verlander's out there, they're going to want Maldi behind the plate. What's the difference? What, you hit Posada. You had some great catchers. You what, what? What is it about that guy behind the plate that makes pitchers so much more comfortable? Yeah, I mean, I still, like I said, I still stay in touch with so many of my my what I call my, my backstops. I mean, they're they're my bread and butter. I mean, uh, uh, you I mean you you dead on, John. I mean, they they. Yeah, they make the sun come up and go down. So uh, they, I trust them with what they see. I ask them to pay attention to detail. I ask them to watch hitters if they're making adjustment with their feet at the plate. Um, we got you got so much going on, and like I said, I don't. I, they do want to hit, but I don't care if you hit. You're there. You're there to handle 
the starting staff and a bullpen and know exactly and immediately what kind of stuff I have. Um, so, but anybody that's, uh, that's, that's going to take over the range, if they, if they start in spring training and you get familiar with where they're at and you trust their hands, we, we had guys, I had, I had, um, younger catchers that were nervous and they had what we call windshield wipers. They didn't trust their hands <laughs> and they would carry stuff out of the zone. Now they allow you to go down to, you know, they have most catchers going down to one knee which makes it more difficult to block balls, which you saw last night. And, uh, but they think that because you go down, the analytics think that you go down to one knee, you can frame balls, you can steal balls and strikes, which I guess, according to what you said about that site, they stole about eight pitches. And um, so that all figures into it. You know, like I said, uh, if, if you went down to one knee, uh, unless you were Tony Pena way back when, Tony had that split leg. I had Tony as a catcher for a few years in Boston. He'd, when nobody was on, he'd get down on one knee, stick his other leg out straight, and uh, and try and get you know get guys get the ball down in the zone wherever they wanted him. So, but if you got down to one knee before this analytic stuff, they think you're lazy. You get you probably get released. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, but uh, that's it, it, he's got great hands, um, a great target to throw to. Uh, I had plenty of that, like you said, Posada was probably the, or Jorge at New York was probably the best two-way guy. He could hit, switch hitter, and he could call great games, and he, you know, he could, he would, he would try and catch the ball in his breastbone a little bit. So he had to be careful moving too much because some of these umpires, when they lean down, they put their hand on you, on the catcher. And if a catcher slides just an inch or two to, to get a ball that's on the corner, the umpire feels they move and he's going to call it outside. So that's why we always we always have a conversation earlier or after the first or second inning to tell our guy, hey, sit still, you're moving, trust your hands. He goes, am I moving? I go, yeah, you're on a skateboard, man. Sit still and trust your hands. I'm going to get the ball within a ball or two of where you want it. That's awesome. That's that's great. Yeah, that's great detail and info because I do notice that I don't think that Molly's the greatest pitch framer. Uh, he kind of like low in the zone. He'll kind of the the glove comes down. Where you notice a lot of these guys, including the Rangers catcher, they almost start down and snatch it upwards to, to, give, it a little, it up. to give it a little different frame. But uh, also inter- interesting what you said about a big target. Can you explain what you mean? Is it a feel for you like he's a good target behind home plate? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so the only way I can tell you is like in all-star games when I threw to a catcher for the first time like Sandy Alomar Jr., he's six four six five. I, I had to really focus on both of his knees on behind his shin guards or his uh, shoulder protectors on his on his uh, chest protector because he is so such a big target. Osmus was great to throw. Brad was great. He was a small target, wonderful hands, quiet. Um, just you just you can see where you're going with it. He would set up late. This was before pitch comm, so you were calling pitches if guys were on second trying to get your your cadence. Um, what was great was I didn't like catchers that jumped to the target. Veritek used to sit so late because they were so worried about it. He would jump from his catching position to the outside or inside corner really late. And, and I didn't like that. I liked the guy to go there. And, and Charlie O'Brien was, I had Charlie O'Brien probably one of the best of the best as far as, I mean, you watch, you give a video to your kid to watch Charlie O'Brien. I think Charlie wrote a book called Cy Young Catcher. And he, he caught like 11 Cy Young years. 
something like that, something crazy. Wow. But uh, he was quiet, good target to throw to. Um, it just makes a difference, guys. It's, there's no doubt about it. When you got somebody that's quiet and confident and he's calling a good game because he knows the stuff that you have, perfect example last night, like we talked about earlier in the show, he featured that fastball, and I'm not changing until you force me to change. What do you expect out of Urquidy tonight? Uh, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping he's just he's really good. I hope you know five innings. We'll say you know these days. These days you would love to say seven seven innings out of a starter, but right now, man, we'll take five innings and uh, and let the boys go to work again. On uh, who knows if it's going to be a if they're going to go quick to the bullpen or not. The Rangers, that is. So we'll see what happens. He he's he's facing Heaney. There's a lot it's of a guys. Whole, yeah, no, it's a whole different animal. If we if if our boys get this one, no kidding. And Heaney, you know, you got to stop the bleeding. I'm, I would imagine they're a little bit worried over there in that clubhouse and and and, and oh, the fan base as well. And Heaney, we've got a lot of guys who've had success against him. Uh, so he's never been in this situation before. Urquidy's got three World Series wins. Huge yeah. advantage, Astros. Yeah, yeah, huge advantage. Looks good on paper, but uh, again, let's. Uh, Couple zeros and a crooked number would go a long way. Roger Clemens brought to you by John Daspit after every game, morning after every game, right here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Man, we appreciate it as always, Roger. We will talk to you again tomorrow. All right, baby. Keep the faith. That's it. Stay hot. Uh, that was good. That's Roger Clemens just giving Listen you to him talk insight. About pitching. Yeah, giving you insight you're not getting anywhere else. No. And you're going to get a deal that you're not getting anywhere else with Chastain Ford. By the way, thank you, John Daspit, once again. You're unbelievable. That John is so did, awesome. has done this for the second year yeah. in a row. And um, it's it's just, it, just uh, it, it changes so the happy. game for us. And he just called. He's like, hey, hey get I want to say about getting Roger on again. I'm like, oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> Why don't we? Yeah. Uh, listen, the Chastangs, huge supporters of, of this station as well. Huge supporters of the University of Houston, huge supporters of sport, huge supporters of this community. We're talking about 80 some years now in the car business with the Chastangs. And I love the way their philosophy, it starts at the top, people, and it, it filters down throughout the entire company. I, every, I go over there a lot and I see these people a lot, and they're all, it's, it's, a, it's a great place to not only get by your car because you feel like you're part of the family, but everybody that works there feels like they're part of the family. It's, it's, that's a philosophy. And it starts at the top with the Chastangs who are just the nicest people you'll ever meet. So here's the deal is they're not going to gouge you. They're not going to add on there. It's not a typical car dealership where they're get as many add ons as you possibly can to sell that leather seat, sell that uh, sunroof, sell all tinted windows, air in the tires. Uh, that's not what happens at Chastang Ford. What they do is they get you in that vehicle, and the first thing that they ask you is, where do your where do your payments have to be? Because that's the most important thing. We don't want you choking on this thing. We want you to have the best experience you can possibly have, and it happens every single time. So if you're looking for that Ford car or truck or pre-owned vehicles, because they got them on the lot, they got $15,000 off right now on the F-150s. They got great deals on the Mach-E's. You're looking for that Ford car or truck or pre-owned vehicle. ChastangFord.com, 610 at Homestead, not Hempstead, five minutes from downtown Chastang Ford. ESPN 97.5. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's John and Lance and the same five guys who always call. Oh, yay. Okay, so we've been talking all Astros. It's been all Astros so far. Just change it up for a second here. 
did you see the story ESPN is doing? Asked, when asked Dan Graziano and Jeremy Fowler asked which coordinator is looking most like a head coach. Did you see this? No. My worst fear. Yeah. My, I've said this. You, I, I am so pissed. Why? What are you pissed, are you about? pissed about? Hire good coaches, and if they're good, they get hired. You know what Kyle else. Shanahan does when he loses someone? He just hires a new. Oh, he, really? Because oh, oh, look at what's happened already to Jalen Hurts. Well, okay, so he loses you, his offensive coordinator. He's not as good. So what did you want? I want Bobby Slowick to stay here. What did you want them to do? You said not hire D'Amico. Not hire a defense. Hire Slowick. As a head coach. Yeah. That's what Jeez. I said. The takes are getting terrible. Punt on third down. He's a take not out punt on third down. That's stupid. No one ever said that. He wants to. What did you want to Bring do? Bring the guys in. The punter in and wide receiver, <laughs> and then punt with you a quick punter on punter, fourth down. You're bringing the punter and on third and one, like like the outside guy ever blocks anyway. It's don't be stupid. Here's the deal. Hey, you told me not to be stupid. You're bringing a punter in on third down. Yeah, that's right. At wide receiver because they don't they don't have anything to do move, with a third and one. Your new move is sneak. You should have never hired D'Amico Ryan's. Yeah, it should be Bobby Slowick. Oh, there it is. Dan Graziano. Who do you, who do you think? Well, it's probably too early for first-year Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick to get serious looks, but teams don't mind talking to young offensive minds, and it's possible to look at what Houston has done and not be impressed. It's impossible. Uh, Jeremy Fowler, Slowick is impressed in short order. He might be a year away, but definitely looks poised to become a strong candidate eventually. Nah, he's probably going to be a head coach after this year. No, he won't. And there goes ben and then, Johnson. And then C.J. So Stroud sucks. Nice job. Ben Johnson. I hope I you all are happy. What you want is them to hire a lesser coordinator what? who's not as good. D'Amico yeah. left San Francisco, and their defense is still good. Yeah. So why can't – they lost Robert Sala. Defense still good. Lost D'Amico. Defense still faith. good. Just hire – D'Amico, hire – go steal someone off of Shanahan staff again. Just it's do, just a Shanahan tree thing. Yeah. It's the offense. It's the scheme. It's, it's the scheme helps you. It's. I'm not saying Stroud's a scheme quarterback, but this scheme has a long history – of helping quarterbacks well, play at a higher level. All right, who who's uh, who's who's somebody behind Shanahan well, right there's now? There's a billion a of these. Guys I don't know who their quarterback. There. There's, there's just, not a billion not of these guys. Shanahan. Look at McDaniel's. What he's doing. Look it's, what Slowick is doing. You got to get the right guy. Matt Lafleur has had success. He didn't have the right quarterback. You got to have you got to have a quarterback. But the scheme is not hard to copy. Yeah, you have to have the right guy. But you're really worried about a. A guy doing his job effectively? Yeah, I'm worried about it. I told you ben what's going to happen. He's going to be gone right away. You tell me he's not going to nice be gone job. in one nice year. Nice job, you guys. He's not really going to be gone well in one year. You ben too. Johnson is the guy that's going to be gone. Ben Johnson from Cleveland, from, from Detroit is gone. He's yeah. the hot name. Yeah. And I remember when the hot name was Joe Brady. Brady. I don't even know if he's – is he in insurance I, now? I don't know. <laughs> I don't wow. even know if Joe Brady's in football. <laughs> Yeah. Joe Brady was going to save America. No, 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 no. You insulted him a little bit. He got a little out of order yourself. You I don't know where Joe Brady, I don't know what he's doing. He was supposedly the He's smartest. the quarterback coach for the Bills. See? He's not out of football and Josh or Allen doing the, having his best year ever. That's not, no, he's not. That's not really true. That's not actually that's, accurate at all. That's not really accurate. Uh, but I don't care. I'm going to try to make my point. Okay? Should have <laughs> hired an offensive uh, offensive-minded coach, so not D'Amico. because CJ is going to now. CJ it loses. We all lose. The city loses hmm. when Bobby Slowick gets that head coaching job. That nice. man is three and three. How many Are points? we sure that we want to give him superhero status? How many just points yet? have they He's a scored? Superhero to me? Huh? How many? Oh, computers just crashed. That's great. How many? 
how many points have they scored per game since you're since you're loving up on Slovak? Maybe you should be loving up on the quarterback coach. Yeah, they're not scoring as many points. I think they're fifteenth in the league in points per game. I'll take uh, from where they were. Are you kidding me? Well, this is like this, they're, they're Super Bowl champions already. Not the really. most surprising team in the NFL to this to date is the Houston Texans. The idea that you are saying that you wish they wouldn't have hired D'Amico Ryan should get you kicked out of the city. Mm. Wow. No. Excommunicado? Yeah. Jared Johnson's the quarterback coach. Maybe you should be loving up on him. Yeah. Or Gerard, Gerard Johnson. Johnson. Gerard yeah. Johnson. So Gerard Johnson can't become the next coordinator? Um, I don't know. He's, He's learning all this magic from Slowick that's it, produced well, 20 points a game. Well, he needs to go over and, and, and touch Kyle Shanahan because that's that's where you get, that's where you get great coordinators, okay? Some kind of magic that rubs off from Kyle Shanahan. I know it's it's a uh, it is more than just a system. I mean, you got to be a good play caller too. That's right. There's there's good play calling. I think Slowick still needs to prove something. Bobby Slowick is me. still maybe not to you, but I think to the Texans he does. You're going to have to have a little better <laughs> offense score in the red zone. You know, score touchdowns in the red zone is a good Thing That's too. a good start, you think? Yeah, the red zone success rate is not great. No, but that needs to get better. But maybe get some more playmakers out there. Okay, let's let's go. Uh, oh, you th- you think this is a complete team in a couple of years with some more playmakers? It ain't even close to so, what other teams. So, have. from what I can tell, we have to go because go. Josh Pate is coming up next. You are suggesting that Bobby Slowick is the backbone of this Texans team, not he's, D'Amico Ryan. He's the heart. <laughs> he's oh, the heart. boy. Okay, and. That the Texans made a massive mistake by hiring D'Amico Ryan's and not no one an said offensive that. coach. No, no one said that. Not Do you ma- think they made a mistake not hiring? They made a mistake in that Bobby Slowick probably should have been head coach. Yeah. <laughs> then he wouldn't leave. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying it, and I'm not. And I'm not never going to pull back on it. And you're not pulling back on punters on third downs. <laughs> no, I was hoping you would pull back on that no, one. No, never, never. Hey, listen. I don't know if you bet them last night, but it seemed like everybody in the world was on the Astros last night. You had a chance to make some money. You knew that they were going to win. And you were, if you didn't bet on them, then that's dumb because you just left money on the table. You let those bookies have all that money. Well, here's the deal. My bookie, they're ready to give you money. They're ready to give you, when you sign up, they got a no-strings-attached cash bonus. So you got to put in a deposit of $50 or more. But the more you put in, the better the, the, you can get receive up to $200 extra in cash to play. And all you have to do is play it one time, and you can pull it out. That's how good that is. So if you're looking for the best way to win, play, and get paid, where uh, you think bookies, local bookies are giving you $200 in free cash to play? No, that'll never happen. They got a new cash-out system, too, on parlays, where you can go cash out early after you win a couple of legs of it, then you get out of your parlay. That Local bookies ain't doing that either. You want a bookie that's going to do stuff like that? That's that's mybookie.ag, promo code BET975. But you got to put in promo code BET975. You're looking for a great way to play when you get paid. It's a great site. It's easy to navigate. It's uh, The whole thing is perfect. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with my bookie. ESPN 97.5. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the offensive masterminds running an outside zone on your intelligence. John Granado and Lance Zerline. All right, welcome back here. We weren't able to talk to him last week because we had phone issues, and boy, did we miss it. Late kick, at Late Kick Josh, Josh Pate joining us, the Late Kick with Josh Pate. 
uh, college football expert every week right here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Josh, sorry we missed you last week. What game did you go to? Oh, I went up to Seattle. Perhaps yeah. you guys caught a glimpse of that Oregon-Washington final. Pretty pretty interesting. Oh, my gosh. That looked like a great atmosphere. It was – but, okay, it, I know you want to be aggressive. Dan Lanning lost that lost that game for them. Why, you got to kick the field goals and take the points. It was a low-scoring game, too. I yeah. mean, it's points are at a premium. I, 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 but forget a culture – you know what? What's better than a culture of aggressiveness? A winning, culture? winning, a winning culture. So I've got a theory on this, and it's general. I've used it before, but I remember, um, I remember just like looking back over the history of our sport when guys have been in their thirties and have typically gotten their first job as a head man. In the past, it was Toledo, it was Western Michigan, and the like. And nowadays, your first job can be Oregon. Your first job can be uh, Georgia if you're Kirby or Ohio State if you're Ryan Day or Oklahoma if you're Lincoln Riley. So I I think people sometimes forget. It, it's going to sound like I'm making excuses. I'm not. I'm just trying to explain an alternate point of view here. I think sometimes people forget you don't get to sacrifice what it takes to learn the lessons that it takes to be a quality head coach just because you get hired in a major program, like you're still learning the lessons of the guys before you learn. It's just you get to learn them in a really white-hot spotlight, whereas if Dan Lanning made the same decision he just made the other day, but he did it in Eastern Michigan, no one would know because no one's watching Eastern Michigan. I think it's just kind of the price you pay, and you may have to bite a bullet every now and then on the front end of a guy's career, hoping that you've hired the right one for you know the next decade. The stakes are too high for that, though. I mean, you. I know, I know, you're learning and whatnot. But when you're at Oregon, you're undefeated, high, a top ten team. I mean, you you hurt your football program. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think that. I just was, I was beside myself watching watching that game. What was that atmosphere like, though? They they do not like each other, Washington and Oregon. I grew up in the South, and so naturally, I think the world revolves around SEC Saturdays. And I'd had a couple of guys tell me who had worked at Washington what the game day of Washington was like. So, you know, I was skeptical. And I am—I swear to you guys, that was a high-level SEC venue. That was a high-level Big Ten venue. It's about seventy to 72,000, open end zone. So you don't think to yourself that the noise could match what you get in those closed, big, 100,000-seat environments. It did. Totally ear-splitting, like an unbelievably hostile, loud atmosphere, and it's also parked on the water up there in Seattle. It's unbelievable. Like, everything that I was promised about that place, it delivered or went above and beyond delivering. I know who told you that. Cooper told you that about Washington. That is exactly who it was. And see, here's the thing. Sometimes he's very hit or miss. Like, dinner recommendations, never trust the guy. (laughs) And so when he starts talking to me about atmospheres, I don't know whether to trust him or not, but he's He's earned some equity in my book. Yeah, yeah. He used to work for he used to work for Washington. Um, and I've gone to Autzen before to a USC Oregon game uh, one time, and it was it was impressive. It was fun. I actually do think Oregon, regardless of result, I believe the Oregon's one of the four best teams in college football. I think Washington may be one of the four best. I'm not sure on Ohio State right now. Michigan, I think yes. Ohio State, Penn State. How do you see that one, Josh? You got. 
Penn State's got a good quarterback who's been untested up to this point, but I know Nittany Lion fans are very excited about their quarterback play. How do you see that one playing out? Because that is a uh, that's a big one for jockeying inside the Big Ten. Yeah, huge. Absolutely huge. That's the one I'm going to Saturday. I have been waiting on this one. Um, you get a few theories tested. So you got some Penn State contingent who believe that they just haven't opened the offense up because they haven't had to. I, I tend to believe what you've seen from them is largely what they do. They've just done it pretty well and can play really good defense, so they don't have to score 45 a game. I think this kind of game is the most unpredictable kind because I think there's a very high likelihood that what happened last year happens this year. No one has any system or model. No one's prophetic enough to know that JT Tuomaloau is going to completely wreck a game defensively like he did last year. Well, this year, I think the same thing could happen, but it could happen either way. Uh, I think, and uh, Lance, you can tell me what you think about Olu Pashano, but that dude is a future NFL guy, regardless of what round he goes in. The right side of their offensive line may be a little more vulnerable, and I think that's where Ohio State can attack, and I think also all across the Ohio State offensive line. Penn State could get after you, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really tight, it's going to feel like that Notre Dame-Ohio State game. Neither place, neither team wants to be the one who makes the first mistake. Someone eventually will, and I think that's what will determine the game, and I have no clue how to predict that. I leaned Ohio State slightly. I think it's going to be an incredible scene, though. Josh, talking about the left tackle for Penn State, Olafushanu, who is going to be a first-round pick uh, in the draft this next year. And it's going to both teams made the honor roll for the Joe Moore Awards, but Ohio State just barely made it in. They always have talent but are consistently inconsistent with technique and results. And I think this is going to be a battle of the trenches, both O-line, D-line. Um, you, you, you know, you wouldn't typically say that about an Ohio State game where they're known for their, you know, for spectacular um, uh, um, Wide receivers. Wide receivers, running backs. But this is really going to be who can control the line of scrimmage in this one. And it it may be a a little lower scoring game as well than some of the games we're used to seeing. Well, maybe not in the Big Ten. Big Ten was home with a 34-and-a-half over-under last week, John, between uh, Iowa and who did Iowa play? Iowa. Iowa and who was it? Wisconsin. It doesn't matter who who Iowa plays. Yeah, it was 34-and-a-half. Of course it went under. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter. So. Uh, the scoring's getting a little tighter, but yeah, I, I think you're right though about the right side of the line, left side of the line a lot better for Penn State. So um, this is going to be a really good matchup between. What do you think about the way? I'm curious what you thought as as a media member who asked questions. What did you think about the way that James Franklin derided and kind of made fun of the question coming from a, the fan on Zoom about throwing a, a ball up for a deep ball? Of course, I thought it's dumb. That's not how it works. But sometimes I think James Franklin's kind of not exactly the nicest guy. I've dealt with him before, and he's he's pretty arrogant in my dealings. So my view on all that stuff is I, I, I try and put myself in the position of a coach. I've always said if I was a coach, you'd say what you just said about Franklin about me all the time. Because I would, I would be a jerk. I'd end up being hated by folks <laughs> because I just, I believe that if I were to truly have have a mastery, relatively speaking, of something like football that had such a public interest, but the public was as relatively ignorant to the game as they are relative to a coach, 
I couldn't listen to it. I couldn't sit in press conferences and get questioned by people I know I could wrap in an intellectual pretzel in five seconds if I wanted to. So I couldn't do it. I'm telling you right now I couldn't. And I'd, I'd have moments like that all the time. My press conferences would be a circus because they would be contentious all the time. So what do I think about what he did? I, I think I'm shocked I don't see it more often. Now, was it a little bit of a jerk move? I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm just saying I can't call the guy out when I fully believe I would do the same thing all the time. I also think that sometimes that stuff was born six months ago with an exchange and a press conference, and, you know, we didn't see it because we don't follow the local beat, and maybe something's been bubbling and a guy's just waiting to pounce on someone. I think that happens, too. I don't know if that's the case here, but I, I always think there's a little sub-layer when all of a sudden some random moment from a random press conference ends up going viral. Uh, Josh Pate with us, at Late Kick Josh on on uh, Twitter. Uh, he's got his podcast, Late Kick Josh. Um, uh, Late Kick with Josh. Um, Josh, let me ask you this. What did you think of Lincoln Riley kind of throwing Caleb Williams under the bus a little bit when asked about guys not separating against Notre Dame? He said, oh, really? Because in the three turnovers, there were guys running free. Um, he sounds like he's a little pissed off at Caleb right now. Let me tell you who should be pissed off is Caleb Williams. You seen the offensive line he's yeah. trying to play behind? Yeah. Like, that's what I'd be looking at. You seen how many points he's having to score per game? Because you hadn't put together a full football team, you just put together an offense. Like I, would, I heard what you heard, and I sat there and thought to myself, "Wow, really? Okay, then." Now, I, look, he and Caleb Williams are probably the, the two that have the kind of relationship where that kind of stuff can fly. Maybe I, I assume that, but it, look, they got a game against Utah Saturday. And everyone just expects them to bounce back off this Notre Dame disaster. Mm. And and I'm just I'm looking at a lot of the stat profiles in that game, and I'm thinking about what Utah did to him twice last year. And I just think people think the bounce back moment for USC, no starting quarterback for Utah, it just magically resolves itself. And maybe it will, and maybe they're up 48-14 to 14 going into the fourth quarter. But I think there's a much more likely scenario where defense starts to enter the equation. There have been bad turnovers this year. They were great last year. That starts to enter the equation, and all of a sudden you feel that quicksand around your ankles and then your shins and then your knees, and all of a sudden you're waist deep in it, and Utah's got you exactly where they want you, and they're running the ball at will. And if that happens and they lose Saturday – I don't think folks are really realizing how toxic it would feel around USC football. I'd say the same thing about Miami and Clemson. One of them's about to have their third conference loss of the season, and neither of those fan bases are ready to accept that. So a lot of toxicity getting set just before Halloween here. Yeah. <clears throat> Utah's not the team that you want to see when you have a when you have a tough game you're trying to right the ship. They don't make it easy on you. You don't have fluid games mm-hmm. against Utah. Utah takes things away from you. Utah plays extremely physically. Utah makes it uncomfortable for you. That is not the kind of get. <laughs> that is not the definition, especially with that offensive line of a get right game. But I tell you what, it was. I, I was really impressed with Marcus Freeman and, and, and Notre Dame. The way Notre Dame came out, Sam Hartman did not have a good game, but they ran the ball well. And boy, defensively, you're right. They just got all over Caleb Williams. And some of it was. You know, pass pro, and some of it was Caleb Williams just made some really bad decisions as well. 
another thing that's a theme I like to touch on every year. My dad, I remember my dad used to always get so worked up when those preview magazines would come out, and he'd, he'd flip through them and he'd say, there they go again. And I'd say, what? what what'd they do? Who is they, by the way? And what did they do? <laughs> he'd say, well, everyone's talking about returning starters, and especially a quarterback. It always emphasized to me, just because a guy comes back after a big year does not mean he automatically gets 20% better just because he came back. It doesn't mean his stats get 20% better just because he came back. But that's always the assumption. The assumption is this guy just won the Heisman Trophy. People are saying that he could be the number one overall draft pick last year if he went out. Imagine how much better he's going to be next year. Well, what if he's not better? What if he's worse? What if the team's worse than they were last year? It doesn't compute in media day season. It doesn't compute in August. But that's kind of what we're seeing right now. Now, fortunately for them, they didn't lose a conference game last week. So, I mean, everything's still in front of them. But here's what else could be in front of them. More losses. That's what could also be in front of them. Because you're right. Utah's not a get-right team. And to just to just blindly assume it'll magically happen, like I think a lot of folks are, is very misguided. That's Josh Pate at Late Kick Josh. Late kick I go with to one Josh of these games Pate. with you, Josh. Man, well, I want to. I want to roll to I, one of these games. I'm with telling Josh. you right now, though, Josh, you're going to regret it. You should have been. You should be here in Houston this Saturday when University of Houston upsets Texas right here at hey, TDECU Stadium. I heard that's a hot rumor. That's going to happen. Is that true? That is. It's a hot. It's the hottest. <laughs> ru- I just. I, I'm, I'm spreading that yesterday. rumor right now. I started it yesterday, and it's gonna, and I'm going to stay with it. All right, until until I'm proven wrong. You, you, all right, well, I'll, I'll spread it all over the airwaves if you don't mind me putting your name on it. <laughs> no, uh, you don't know. Keep it quiet. Well, I'm actually, trying to on, keep it quiet. Actually, Josh. he's. Did you see it on Fox? It's. Uh, was it Ohio State? Penn State is on Fox, right? Yeah, yeah so and it's on then Fox, the University of Houston right after. So on Fox, you'll be able to see both yeah. of those. Right, yeah. both those games. Yeah, both those games. All right. Well, Josh, we appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for joining us. And if it does come true, you'll regret not retwe- not not tweeting that out, Josh. Okay. You'll regret it. I can't keep I it can't in your drafts. Be regretful next week. Yes, I can't wait. <laughs> just keep that one in your drafts. So I won't send it out just yet. Eight forty-five. That's at late kick, Josh, with us here on ESPN ninety-seven-five and ninety-two-five. As always, thanks, Josh. We appreciate it. How are you going to bet that, Lance? With that, Lance, where can you bet it? Underdog. Yeah, no? not, really. not really. We're not a bookie per se. <laughs> we are a fantasy football site that has fantasy too. Yeah, you do. You actually do have that. You do? Yeah, you do have con- you have college fantasy. Um you have college well the the pick on the pick 'em challenge you can use college football players frequently which I think makes it even easier for you to be a winner. Go out there, study this and use your knowledge. You can win real money, actual money completely legally here in the state of Texas with underdog fantasy go to underdogfantasy.com that's underdogfantasy.com or just go to the website is it go to the app store and download underdog okay what are you doing there they have a terrific they have a terrific um uh um, interface and website for you to use or rather an app for you to use and it's really great because you can play this pick them challenge where you can win anywhere between three times and 20 times your original play by going higher or lower on the stats. That's all you have to do. Go higher or lower. You just have to pick between two and five players, 
and windows, but they also have insurance. That's something that I've used before where you can hit three out of four, four out of five, and you're still a winner. It's a little lower payout, but you're a winner. So it's your decision whether or not to do that. Get and and basketball season with basketball season starting right now. Build your dream team. Go out there in the NBA season and play a, a best buy, a best ball for the entire year. Whatever the highest score is for you at those different positions, at the uh, at the three positions, guard, forward, center, you are going to have that amount of money or that amount of points, and you will play throughout the year for a big, big payout. Do not miss out on that. Use promo code Lance, and they are going to match your deposit up to $500. Your first deposit has to have promo code Lance as well. Must be 18 or older and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Consumers to play. Call 800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. ESPN 97.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's time to rejoin the undisputed best sports talk show in Houston. It's clearly John and Lance, except no substitutes. All right, so uh, we haven't talked to Astros in a little while now because we've had other stuff that we've had to do, including uh, hiring Bobby Slowick as the uh, head coach here at University at the at uh, the Texans, and uh, we also had uh, Josh Pay. Great college football conversation with him. He's great. That is good stuff. Um, so let's get back to Houston Astros. It's inexplicable, inexplicable. Not only for us, okay, but it. Dusty's living this. Dusty is a baseball lifer. Dusty's been in baseball 50 years, right? Mm. And he doesn't even get. I think longer than that. Yeah, 50-some years. He was from high school. Well. I mean, pro baseball. He's been 50 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so. Probably actually more than that. Even he can't explain what's going on with the home and road stuff. It's the strangest thing I've ever seen because usually, you know, you want to be 500 on the road and way over 500 at home. I asked the team in spring training to be the best road team. Maybe I should have asked them to be the best road and home team. And, uh, you know, they usually, you know, give me what I, what I asked for. And like I said, before the game started, we won 50 games on the road and the uh, Rangers won 51 games, I think, at home. So it's marked for, for a good series. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's a better series than. But listen, I don't care. They're going to play well again. They, I, I, we didn't even touch on. We really haven't touched on the home and road. Okay, so I mentioned it when Raj was here. Um, against Jose Urquidy, the team, all these guys, all the combination of this team is hitting two eighteen against him. Mm. Um, they, the best hitters are Simeon, who's eight for 21 with a couple doubles and three homers off of him. Um, and of course, well, Mitch Garver is one for three. So that, that really doesn't count. Adolis Garcia is just two for 11 against him. Uh, Lowe is two for nine against him. Heim is zero for six. Uh, Corey Seager has got an 1100 OPS. He's three for nine with a home run and just a couple of RBIs. They're not great. It's not great. Now, for the Astros against Andrew Heaney, they're hitting 263 mm-hmm. 
with a 789 OPS. Jose Abreu has got a 1,300 OPS against him. Five five hits and 19 at-bats, four homers. Four homers and 19 at-bats. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Uh, Jose Altuve is hitting 324. He's got a couple homers, 12 for 37, a 910 OPS. Jordan, 4 for 14 um, with a double. He's got an 831 OPS. Uh, Pena, 3 for 7. Not bad. 1,000 OPS. Um, the guys who struggle, Maldonado is just 2 for 15 uh, against him. Uh, Kyle Tucker, 1 for 10. But he's got an 800 OPS. He's walked five times against Heaney. He's walking now. He's got a great eye. I don't know if you heard. Alex Bregman, 11 for 35 with a home run against him. Here's what I want to know. Well, here's what I'm thinking. If I'm a Ranger fan, you know, you win the first two, you feel good. And we do. We did have this feeling when when the Rockets went on the road and beat the Mavericks back in the mid-2000s. That was a very reminiscent being, being so excited. You're going to take it to the Mavericks, and then you can't ha- hold on at home. They lose the first one against Christian Javier. So now they're saying, uh-oh, the guy with the 4.5 ERA looks really, really good, and we remembered him from last year, too. Then you see Jordan may still be locked in, it looks like, from the last series. And then you see Jose Altuve start to get locked in. If you're the Rangers and their fan base, but forget the fans. If you're the Rangers organization, like, oh, my God, Javier, Javier, Altuve, and and Jordan, like, you don't have to have Tucker be hot. But it's no good if Dubon is hitting and – and Maldonado's hitting because that puts it over the top. If you got the two big boys hitting, well, one little guy who's a big boy, and then all of a sudden two other guys start getting hot, you're well, you're in a lot of trouble. The, the bottom of the order killed you last night. Yeah. Pena had the base hit, RBI, RBI base hit, three for four for Dubon, two hits for Maldonado, which is the oh, it's his line. And one of them with the bases loaded. Yeah. No, it was somehow he came. No, it yes, was, no, it was second and third. They wild pitch got it to second and third. No, he came up with the bases loaded. But he, remember? But but the oh, wild pitch got oh, it to second. Yeah, to third. yeah, yeah, right. yeah. But he did come up with the bases loaded. Yeah, he did. Of course he did. So it's kind of he like, always comes up with the bases. That's loaded. what I was saying. It's kind of like he drove in three runs. It was a little bit like that, but just different. Um, uh, no, listen. If I'm a, if I'm that fan base, I'm gripping. I'm gripping right now. If I'm them. Dubon has been heroic. Dubon, you can't you can't take him out of the lineup. You just can't. Even the broken bat uh, base hit that he got, he's just hitting the ball. He's just seeing it so well. Uh, you, there's nothing that you can do about it. Um, he did talk about he did talk about what his success is at the plate. Number seven, Dell. Here's here's uh, Dubon on his sec- success lately at the plate. I mean, I had a plan. I had a plan going in and executed, and you know. Game last game I hit three barrels and got caught. Today I got three, you know, broken bad, ended up falling. So a little lucky today, but I'll take it. Of course he'll take it. He also had a beautiful view of Michael Brantley's catch. I don't think we're making enough of that. And listen, again, the ball Maldonado's ball went off of Young's glove. The plays that Alex Bergman is making at third base, fantastic. The play that Michael Brantley made, I think I don't think we're giving it nearly enough. It was huge at the time. If they score another run there and it got guys, well, they got on, momentum. It had momentum absolutely. After Young's homer, this is this is the play. Michael Brantley's play was the play of the game. Here's Dubon on what he saw. I saw Mikey running. I saw he had a dead eye, so I kind of stopped because I saw I saw him. He was gonna, you know, go after it. So in case it fall, and when I saw that the ball, you know, just 
getting the glove, I got so happy. You know, I think I got more happy than than he did. I mean, he expected that, but I was so happy, and you know, it's it's pretty unreal what he does at the at the play and, and on on defense too. Oh, he was smiling afterwards. Oh, he was smiling. I was a little worried. That how, my, what is he like? Forty-seven, fifty years old. Just feels like it. He's actually in his he mid-thirties. He fell down. I didn't want him falling down. No, you thought he broke his hip. I thought he fro- maybe his hip or his shoulder again. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can't take that. Oh, not I didn't at this think age. About the shoulder at this age. I mean, we can't have Jordan out there either. Rolling around on the ground. You can't have. How about when Jordan got hit in the foot? And all I could oh, think yeah. of is, if you broke his damn foot, well, I swear on everything. Like, I was just, I, for a split second, well, really it was about seven seconds, I thought, what if Jordan did you time broke it? his foot? Are you sure it was seven well, seconds? Well, in my mind, I've got, you know how it's one of my superhero powers. I have this sense of time. Right, time, right, right. But right. I had, I was like. But that's just going to places. It's about, know. no, but it's about seven seconds. Okay. And I just thought, what if, what if he broke, you know, a bone in his foot and he can't run and he can't drive off it because it's left foot and he can't push off it? What if Jordan were to be out for the series? I wasn't thinking he was going to be out, but I started thinking about what life would be like if they lost Jordan. And then I, in my head, for one second, I thought we should throw at their, we should throw at their hitters, throw at their heads. If he, if Jordan got knocked out, you should immediately throw, throw at their, at their hitters. hitters. No, 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 for I, sure. I agree. I agree. Just make it a beanball war. Well, Who because cares? you you wouldn't win without Jordan. No. All right. Uh, 859 ESPN 97.5 at 92.5 is the number. If you want to uh, get in here, John, I love this call. That's a terrible we will call. Get, we will get to it on the other side, but right now we're talking about hoops. We're talking about ProDunk hoops. We're talking about ProDunk.com. ProDunk.com is the best place to go get your goal. I'm, you can't go to another website. You can't go to a box store. You can't go to a sports store. You're not, okay, here's your, you go to a box store and you get the, 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 uh, the goal with the sand in the in the, okay. How do you get it home? I, I don't have a pick. How am I supposed to get this? I don't know. All I know is you can't. We don't want it here no more. You bought it. Take it. How about this? The installation that's second to none. They're gonna you're gonna work out what what you're going to do. How they're gonna come. They're gonna make the best. Put the spot exactly where you want it. They're awesome. The installation is second to none. The goal is second to none. You raise and lower it with a drill now. You don't You don't have to crank it anymore. It raises and lowers with a drill. The kids will love it. They are going to play outside, Dad. They're going to have the best goal in the neighborhood. The kids are going to be in your front yard. You'll know where they are. They're not going to be inside playing game, you know, their, their Game Boys or whatever it is. You're, they're going to be outside playing basketball because you got them the best goal. Start now. Let's go. ProDunk.com, ProDunk.com. ESPN 97.5.com. Get in.